and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. Well, good evening, everyone. It's awesome to have you with us again. I've probably already said that, um, but welcome to our dining table um, and welcome to our coffee spot. Uh, So we are in our final week of our current series. We've been looking at spiritual practices. We've been looking at uh, four of our practices, um, which are discussed in this book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which I always want to call the wrong thing like the ruthless elimination of of slowing or I don't know I don't even know what I want to call it but we have been going through these four practices that are discussed in this book if you haven't got it it's a good one to have on your bookshelf give it a read Um, you'll probably find it a bit challenging but um, we've looked at uh, for the past three weeks we've been looking at silence Chris chatted to us about um, the spiritual practice of silence Kirk looked at Sabbath Um, We had Deb give a cracker of a talk last week on simplicity, um, which I really love. So thank you, Deb. I really appreciated that. Um, And this week we're looking at slowing, which is slightly hilarious because it's something that I'm not so good at. I've been trying to learn how to do it better um, or actually maybe slow my life down a little bit. Um, So let's see how we go. I might have something helpful for you. I might not, won't be offended either way. Um, but you know, I read this, um, I read this opinion piece this week. It was published on ABC news and it started like this. It said, it's only January 29 and I've never felt so tired. This year hasn't even started and it's hard to find a person who doesn't feel completely cooked. I have absolutely no right to complain, of course. I recently came back from holidays and yet utter malaise, mental emptiness and a very strong feeling that I need a holiday seem to be my vacation achievements. I read that and I just thought, hmm, I kind of of feel that way. I've had a couple of weeks off, seen some family, I've had some downtime at home and honestly, I could do with another holiday. (laughs) Um, So does this resonate with anyone else out there? when someone asks you how you're going at the moment, how many of us are answering with the word busy? My calendar is full. I'm not stopping. I'm tired. When you think about your incessant work, if your work is indeed incessant, um, do you think of it, about it as hustle or I'm being a boss babe or whatever those other words are that um, we seem to really like at the moment? Is your iPhone, your smartwatch, your laptop, your tablet, your TV, I don't know how a TV would do this, but they're smart now. So, but any of your devices constantly pinging at you and giving you notifications through the day. Do you get texts and feel entirely overwhelmed when you see the mountain of notifications popping up on your phone? Do you have any boundaries when it comes to your work? We like to um, create goalposts for the end of some of our work weeks. Um, So it's just work is finished. We're now in family time. Do you have any of that in your life? 
And if I asked you the question, how is your soul? Not how are you or how are you in Jesus or how's your week been, but actually how is your soul? How would that question make you feel? So we're going to take a moment and I'm going to ask you, how is your soul? Just have a think about that. So because we're talking about slowing and I've told you how it's not something that I'm really wonderful at, um, I thought it would be appropriate to share some stories from my own life. Might do one, might do two, we'll see. Um, But I have, I've had to learn slowing the hard way and I'm still learning it the hard way. Um, But I've had a number of burnout experiences that Um, have really rocked me and rocked the people around me because when you burn out it's not just about yourself it's about all the people around you Um, and I think we've kind of got this hustle culture um, where we we love the word busy we love having these full calendars and um, I think I've been learning that when it's at the expense of myself this busyness is at the expense of myself and my family it's not worth it So um, some of you might be aware that um, before I fell into this pastoring thing, um, I had this career in real estate. I loved it. I loved property. I loved the diversity of my role. I um, I loved everything about it. I loved the craziness. Every day was different. Every day was full. Um, But it became super unhealthy. I was... You you could probably call it a workaholic. I worked six or seven days a week. I didn't know how to switch off. I had my notifications pinging on my phone and my laptop constantly and I would always be working. I'd be having a night in and I would still be working. I remember I was sharing a, I was in a share house and um, one of of my girlfriends liked to switch off the internet, um, like the modem uh, around 10 o'clock every night because the modem lived behind this leather couch and it started to get this burning smell one night when I think it was kind of burning through the leather. So um, she started turning off the modem and um, I, I would go and switch it back on because, you know, it was 10, 30, 11, I'd be sitting there working. Um, not worth it. Anyway, so after however many years of, of working like that, working six or seven days a week, working late into the night, getting into the office at 6, 6.30 um, to get ahead. Um, my body just kind of decided enough's enough. Um, my arms started coming up in these purple and green bruises for no reason. Like it's not like I was in a punch up or I was running into walls in my sleep or something. I was just bruising for no reason. I had no energy. Um, I was, I lost all the color in my face. My hair started to fall out. I like my body was responding to this stress that I didn't realize I'd been in for so long. And then because I didn't stop, uh, I just kept pushing. Uh, one morning I couldn't get out of bed. I was stuck in bed. I just couldn't even, I couldn't even just like roll and fall out. And I remember having to text my boss and say, I'm I'm running late. I'm, I can't get out of, I can't get out of bed. Um, which no boss ever wants to hear, I have learned. But um, 
I was just in this state where my body was so done and so burnt out and so overworked that in order for me to stop, it just broke down. So, I mean, I had to do a long healing journey with doctors and um, I saw counselors and I had to make some changes to actually put some boundaries into my life, um, which was really, really hard. Um, but the amount of stress that I was putting my body under, just it all had to manifest in some way. Oh, sorry, microphone, I forgot you were there. <laughs> but it had to manifest in some way. And so that's what happened. My body just cracked under the pressure. Um, and, you know, the thing that the other part of burnout was that it wasn't just my body and my, my mental state that, that suffered. It was all of my friendships. It was um, my work relationships. It was my family. I just couldn't cope with anyone. As an extrovert, it's not right to be stuck at home. And uh, um, I just couldn't cope with anyone. And so, um, yeah, this burnout experience just kind of, it, it took the joy from my life. Um, at the end of 2020, so not so long ago, <laughs> I'd had David at the start of the year. We had a massive year. I think we all had a massive year, but you know, being on maternity leave that turned into not maternity leave um, because pandemic life uh, and we started streaming from our lounge room and um, doing all of that, it meant that I didn't really have the downtime that I was hoping for. And at the end of the year, I was just pretty exhausted, honestly, from, from trying to do that year well. Um, I probably coped for maybe five months and then, and then I started to go downhill and, um, Christmas came and Chris came out, not Christmas, but Chris, husband, Chris came down the hallway and found me on the lounge. And I was just in a state, like I was in a kind of comatose state on the, on the lounge and I couldn't move and I was having a mental breakdown and it meant that. I'd hit that wall again where I'd been pushing so hard and I hadn't stopped. Um, and, and it, again, affected more than just me. It affected our family. Um, and going into a fresh year meant that I had to go and do the health journey again, go see the doctors, go see my counsellor, um, work through the mental mess that had been building um, over that time. And then... As I was doing that process, my body got sick again. And I, some of you might remember that I had about five weeks where I was away from church. I think it's probably the longest I've ever been away from church since I um, came back to Jesus as an 18-year-old. But um, it just, yeah, my body got sick. My body felt it before I realized. And so it has meant that I have had to to learn how to put some boundaries up, how to put some or boundaries in really not boundaries up. Um, because I have, I'm realizing that when you run so hard for an extended period of time, you might think that you're being productive, but then when you do burn out, because it's inevitably going to happen, you have to give so much time into that healing and to that, um, into resting that it wasn't worth 
all that pushing that you did before you burn out. It doesn't, it doesn't get you anywhere faster, but actually learning to pace ourselves is such an important part of learning to do life well. Um, and so, you know, I think our culture promotes self-care. Um, just think about the TV shows you might be watching or um, the Instagram profiles or the influencers um, that you follow, the books that you might read about looking after yourself and making space in your life. But my, my observation is that our culture loves to talk about self-care, but it doesn't know about soul care. We um, went to this leadership conference that we do most Mays when there isn't a pandemic raging on and Melbourne isn't in lockdown. Um, but the US, Vineyard USA um, national director, he's now the ex-national director, he just handed off um, his leadership. Um, so his name is Phil Strout. He spoke of fruitful longevity, which is a thing that I hadn't really heard of before. Um, but it means... Fruitful longevity means being able to go the distance in our journey of faith. And then being able to do this journey, this long distance race, we need to be doing a thing called soul care, which you could probably also call spiritual formation. Um, and you might say, hey, Jen, what's spiritual formation? Or you might have heard it thrown around a bit um, and not really have an idea. So um, basically, it's the intentional process of spiritual shaping and growth. Um, Dallas Willard, he's a dude who, well, I think he's a philosopher. I think that's what we technically call him. But he writes on the topic of spiritual formation. He's got some amazing uh, literature out there. So uh, if you're looking for more information on this, he's, he could be a great spot to, to start. Um, anyway, Dallas has suggested that formation of the human heart happens all the time throughout our life journey, but it's a question around whether it, what is taking place is transformational or deformation. So transformation or deformation. So are we being transformed into Christ likeness or are we being transformed into the image of the world? And when I think about that, I think about this passage in Romans 12, where Paul challenges us to um, not conform to the pattern of this world, but be um, transformed by the renewing of our mind. So um, go have a look at that. But are we being transformed in the image of Christ? And there's a small group of us who've been studying through Vineyard College um, who just did this year-long unit on spiritual formation. Uh, just a little plug. Uh, if you're interested in studying, you should definitely have a look into it or um, chat to Rob Bond, Chris, myself. Um, we'd love to hook you up with some information. We've been loving it. Um, but the writer of our main textbook that we did for this spiritual formation unit defined spiritual formation as the process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. I'm going to say that again. Spiritual formation is the process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. So, if the Christian journey is an intentional and continual commitment to a lifelong process of growth towards Jesus, that makes me think that there's um, a lot of slowing that's involved in this process of formation. It's a process that, that happens over a long period of time. It's not just instantaneous. It's not like the Uber Eats of spiritual formation, although sometimes, sure, that would be really fun. <laughs> 
Um, so we really love uh, in the evening community at Northridge, we love to look back at the Bible um, and to look at our ultimate example of how to do life well. And that's looking at Jesus and how he did life. He was a bit of a dude and he knows what's up and he still does. So um, reading through the New Testament, we see um, that Jesus shows us these examples of how he practiced spiritual rest, physical rest and mental rest. And um, he really knew how to create boundaries. There was a lot of pull on his time, um, but he knew how to create those um, healthy boundaries. He knew his purpose, he knew his calling, and he knew that his relationship with God was the most important thing for him to be able to function well um, in his day-to-day and in his ministry. So solitude and silence are major themes that we see throughout Jesus' ministry in the New Testament. So I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of um, verses that just, that they say how Jesus was resting. So you might notice a bit of a theme. Mark 1, Jesus walked behind, not behind, walked beside the Sea of Galilee. Mark 1 again. Um, Very early in the morning, while it was dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Um, We see in Mark 1 and Luke 5, um, crowds of people came near him to be healed of their sicknesses, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Mark 2, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. Mark 3, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. In Mark 3, we see that he went to a mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. In Matthew 13 and Mark 4, we see that Jesus leaves a house. He sat by the lake. He then has people come and gather to him. And so he gets in a boat and he sits in it. And then he teaches. In Matthew 14, it says he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. In Mark 6, it says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. There's a a theme here. He liked to get away. He really liked boats, but he really liked to get away, to pray, to be in a solitary place, to chat with God, to pray to God and, um, and refresh his soul. It's that deep soul refreshment that we all need. I have pages of these verses and I love it. (laughs) Mark 14, they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. I love that we've got this example of Jesus to learn how to keep our capacity high, um, to be living and working in partnership with him, to do that, to have that deep soul refreshing. We need to be getting away. We need to be making space um, and spending time with Jesus. So if we see Jesus doing this slowing down thing, creating space, finding solitude with God, how do we do that in our own lives? Because I think if Jesus knew how to do it, then we definitely need to learn. Um, And sometimes we don't have easy access to a lake like Jesus to just kind of go for a walk and refresh our souls. That would be nice. Um, So 
John Mark Comer, in this book, um, has a couple of suggestions. So if you decide to read it, hop to the last chapter. He has a list, a massive list of things you can do and suggestions um, for, for doing this slowing down thing well. But I just thought I'd make a couple of suggestions. I forgot that was bubbly. <laughs> okay, so um, first one, driving. Does anyone else get rushy or impatient with uh, slow drivers when they're on the road? <laughs> um, so John Mark um, makes a suggestion of driving bang on the speed limit, not like that 3Ks faster than the speed limit because you're like, mm, police probably won't ping me, um, but actually driving just on the speed limit. Have a go at that. Or sitting behind the learner who is going so slow on the freeway, but just practicing that, not, not hurrying ourselves, not rushing, but just slowing down and being okay with the slowness. I think we find that really hard. Um, with phones, uh, he suggests um, turning your, what is it? I was gonna say a fart phone. Don't turn your fart phone into anything. <laughs> turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. So take your emails off your phone, social media off your phone, disable your web browsers, delete your notifications for text messages, get rid of the news apps and all the, the news alerts um, that you just don't need. And, and he, he also suggests turning your phone to a grayscale mode, um, or you could just buy like an old school flip phone, flip phone, flip phone, it's really hard to say. But one of the things that I have found really helpful in creating some mental space for myself has been turning off the majority of my notifications on my phone. So um, I don't get email notifications. If I want to see my emails, I hop onto my laptop and that's where I do it. Um, and it's usually in working hours. I generally don't look at anything outside of my working hours. Um, and I found that that has just taken a load of pressure off me because I used to live in my emails. Um, and you know, it, for Chris and I, we split our days between different jobs. And so not getting all those notifications means we can focus um, and not feel like the burden of the other job um, if there are things that we know that we're going to need to do. Um, I also love the do not disturb mode on my phone. So when I'm going to bed, it goes on. When I need time out, it goes on. It drives some of my girlfriends nuts when I don't respond to their text messages, um, but it just helps with my mental load. Um, with social media, set a time limit um, on your phone, do an hour, do 30 minutes, whatever it is. I tend to do an hour. I don't always keep to it. Sometimes I, it pops up and says, you've reached an hour. You can't use your social media anymore. And I disable it and keep going. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but make a decision of how much social media you want to use and put some caps on that. Unfollow accounts that you're just wasting time on. I did that in January, start of the year. Um, I realized that there are a bunch of accounts that really weren't adding anything to my life and were just being time wasters. And I didn't actually, yeah, I just didn't enjoy following them. So, and I don't know why I was so consumed in these people's lives. So, you know, unfollow. And I feel so much lighter opening my Instagram account and not seeing um, this barrage of Instagram stories from these people. So I'd encourage you to think about that. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Kirk spoke about Sabbath and, um, you know, you could book in some intentional time to slow down and to find some solitude, practice journaling. Um, it could just be 10 minutes in the morning, just 
put it in as a date in your calendar. Um, journaling could look like a few dot points on your phone, um, on a piece of paper. It could be a voice note. If you're not into writing, use the voice recording app on your phone. Um, super handy and it just means you're, you're thinking and you're present and you are slowing down. And then finally, there's a couple of spiritual practices that I'd love to encourage you to um, have a look at. So one is um, the daily examine. You've probably heard us talk about it before. Um, but I'm going to just read a thing from a book called How Is Your Soul um, by Phil Strout. And you can get it as an, on Apple Books or probably Kindle. Um, it was written by Phil Strout and um, it's a great resource. That's very simple. It's very short. Um, so the daily examine is a series of simple questions that helps us to see the spirit's work in the day we just completed and to expect the spirit's work in the day ahead. We examine our souls before God and then turn our heart to gratefulness, to joy, repentance, hope, and trust for tomorrow. The attitude in which we best approach the daily examine is one of love for God and gratefulness for his deep work in our lives. And so, I mean, you can give 15 minutes to this. We're going to do a um, version of this uh, once I finish talking um, in 10 minutes. But you just ask these. Uh, there are five steps. And you ask a few questions. So number one, stillness. Become aware of the presence of God, quiet your heart and listen, and in this moment become present to Jesus. Number two, gratitude. Review your day with gratitude. Seeing through a lens of thanks, appreciate God's gift in each event of the day. Number three, reflection. Become aware of your emotions. Review your positive and negative feelings. Did you choose Jesus' way in each situation? Number four, joy and sorrow. Choose just one feature of the day and pray. Rejoice in a success or ask forgiveness for sin. If necessary, plan to make amends. Number five, hope. Look toward tomorrow. Move toward expectation. Ask God to shine light on tomorrow's path and resolve to grow. So if that doesn't sound like something that you're particularly into um, or you're not willing to give a go, um, you could try downloading an app called Lectio 365, which um, is based off the daily examine. Um, it's, it, you have people who walk you through it. Um, there are devotionals attached to it, um, scriptures read out. So it's a really beautiful way of kind of starting or ending your day um, with a little bit of guidance. So I'd encourage you to give that a go this week. Um, I especially love the nighttime one. It's just this beautiful, um, I guess it's a beautiful wind down to the day. Um, it's a great way to kind of give your day back to God, um, to meditate on scripture and try not to fall asleep because the Irish lady's voice is so beautiful when she reads out the Psalms. Um, but give that a go. I'd love to hear how you find it. Um, you know, I just want to say thank you for kind of sticking with us this evening and, um, and thinking about how you might be able to slow down your life and create a little more space for, for Jesus to, um, to speak or to, um, to just, yeah, do some of that 
growth and formation within you. Um, so to wrap us up, before we try out this daily examine, we're going to take 10 minutes to do it. Um, I'm just going to pray for us and then um, a screen will pop up with some instructions on how to do the daily examine. All right, let's pray. Well, thank you, Jesus. Um, thank you that we've had an opportunity tonight to slow, to slow down and um, look at your example in the Bible of how you slowed down. And thank you that the New Testament is just filled with your example of how to do life well. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would show us this week where we need to kind of pull on the brakes or create margin um, in our work life or just our everyday, regular getting around life. Um, I just, yeah, Holy Spirit, I, I thank you that you can do that um, and we just need to tune in. So give us kind of give us that little spiritual radar to to hear what you're up to during our weeks Lord um, we just thank you for tonight we thank you that you're speaking and um, we give this next 10 minutes to you as well Lord and Holy Spirit we invite you to speak clearly and to bring things to the front of our minds that we need to deal with um, yeah so come have your way Jesus cool. thank you for joining me in my living room um, and enjoy trying out the daily exam. I'm looking forward to hearing how you find it. Catch you guys. <laughs>